Um, I am I'm excited for the message I have for you this morning because I really believe that Paul the Apostle specifically really desired for us to understand the magnitude of the walk that we have with Christ. How important it is, not only for our own personal benefit, but also for the benefit of others. And more importantly, for the benefit of the kingdom of God. There is much more to you than meets the eye. And Paul wants to teach us over and over and over about the importance of how we run our race. And it's very interesting because he often refers to our Christian walk as someone that has to win a prize or win a race. So my message this morning is entitled, A Champion for Jesus. How many of you in this room desire to be a champion for the Lord? Amen. In life, we often see how people have a desire to be the best of the best, a champion, a, a, a winner, someone that finishes first or finishes strong, someone that achieves something highly esteemed. It's, it's, it's wonderful to watch an athlete that has trained hard and, and prepared well, and they come out and they race and they win the race. And it's, it's even more exciting to sometimes watch an individual that really exceeds all expectation. It almost looks impossible because they've worked so hard. They've done everything they can. And when they win that award, whether you like them or you don't like them, or they're not from your country or they're not from your city, you still celebrate them. We've seen that so many times over the years through different types of sports and different types of events. But it's interesting that Paul often refers to our Christian life as a life of an athlete or the life of someone that has a prize or a medal or a crown to win. And he refers in this language several times in Scripture. He tells us the importance of walking our Christian walk out as an athlete or as someone that has a desire to win a prize or a crown or to win the race. Let's take a look. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. This is out of the Amplified. It says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run your race that you may lay hold of the prize and make it yours. He says to us, listen, he says, don't you know that everybody's actually running a race? But if you're running this Christian race, if you're running this Christian walk race, run it as though you desire to win the prize. Run it as though you desire to finish first. Amen. God wants us, Paul tells us that there is a desire from heaven for us to run this race and to do it with, with a passion and a desire to finish first, to finish and win the race. This is not the only place. Hebrews 12 verse number one says, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Again here he uses this picture of a race and an athlete that has to have endurance to finish that race. In our Christian walks, in our Christian walk, oftentimes it feels like it's impossible to get to the finish line. Or something happens in our journey that makes us almost feel like we want to give up. But Paul is saying, listen, you have to have endurance. There's a race that's before you. Run the race to win. And in those moments where it gets difficult or it gets hard or you feel tired or you feel weary, have the endurance to finish that race. Amen. When he writes to Timothy, he writes personally to him. In 2 Timothy 4, verse number 7, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Listen to how he writes. Listen, he tells us that, listen, this Christian walk is a good fight of faith. But understand that there are times it's going to be a fight. Not with each other. Don't fight with each other. Amen. He says, I have fought the good fight. 
I have finished the race. There again, he talks about an athlete. I've finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now watch. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. He says, listen. He says, I'm gonna, I've finished my race. I've, I've fought the good fight. I've lived my life with purpose. I've had, a, I've had one vision. I've had one mind. I've had one desire to finish strong, to finish, to finish uprightly, to serve God all the way to the end. And then he says there's actually a crown that's waiting for him, a crown of righteousness. But here's the good news. Look at the second part of the verse. And, do, and he says, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Listen. He's saying that he's not the only one that can run this way. He's saying that there are others. Everybody say others. Say, that's me. Well, the question is, is it you? The question is, is it me that has that desire to run the race the way Paul did? There is no question, no question. It's undeniable, undoubtable in any way that Paul finished his race, a true champion for Jesus. If we talk about someone that gives us analogies and pictures of finishing a race or running a race or being an athlete, he is a champion. Can we all agree? And if you study his life, you'll discover just how much of a champion he truly was. And it's very interesting because what Paul does is he writes a letter to the church in Philippi, the Philippians church. And in this letter, he addresses them. And I'm going to give you three points this morning where I believe he's trying to paint a picture for us by giving an example of himself what it takes to be a champion for Christ. How many of you this morning want to know what it takes to be a champion for Jesus? You see, it's very important when you study Scripture that you understand context. Context is very, very important. When Paul wrote the letter to the Philippians, you need to know a few things. First of all, the letter was written around 60 to 63 AD. What's more important is where Paul was when he wrote the letter. Paul was in prison in Rome at the time that he wrote the letter. Now we say that not just to give you facts, but I want you to recognize what was happening while he was writing this letter. Things are not good. Things don't look good. He's going through a whole lot at this moment. It's not like he's sitting in luxury three-course meal every day and everything's wonderful and hallelujah while he's in prison. It was torture. He didn't know if the next morning he would be put to death. He didn't know whether he would see a meal that night. The conditions in the prison, specifically back then, were absolutely horrendous. And he's writing this letter the way that he does. I want you to think about it. Did you know that many of Paul's letters were written while he was in prison? And the way he encourages us? I think he's a champion of champions. But he wants us to see how he got to this place. And I believe that in just six verses in Philippians, he gives us a glimpse of what it means to truly be someone that desires to be a winner or a champion for Jesus. Let's go to Philippians 1, verse number 20. I'm gonna read all six verses to you, and then we're gonna break it down. Philippians 1, verse 20. He says, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit for my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. For I'm hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being con confident to this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith. That your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Let's stop right there. 
In these six verses, I truly believe that Paul paints a picture of what he talks about when he says, I've run my race. What he talks about when he says, I've had a desire to run with my whole heart. I've had a desire to finish strong and you too should have that desire. He talks about endurance when he talks about how we should run our race. I believe in these six verses, he spells out what that looks like. And the truth is, it's not always so easy. What you must recognize, and I want to say this before I dive into this this morning, is I'm not talking about salvation. Salvation is a gift that has been given to you. Thank God for the blood of Jesus and that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life if we believe and we follow Him, that we are going to be in eternity. But I want you to understand something. Eternity is eternity. Eternity is a long time. And what you do in this body will affect how you spend that eternity. So Paul's not encouraging you to run a race for his own benefit or because it sounds cute. He's telling you to run this race, to run to win, because there truly is rewards. And the way you, affect, the way you live your life on this earth will affect the way you spend your eternity. In these six verses, there is so much packed in, but let's, let's get into it. Are you guys okay? Let's get into it this morning. Philippians 1.20. Philippians 1.20. We'll start with the first verse there. According to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always so now, also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. Let's stop there and let's break this down. First of all, I want to say this. My first point this morning, the first thing that I believe it requires to truly be a champion for Jesus is to magnify God through your life. And this is in every area. Everybody say every area. Every area of our lives. It's interesting because where he says, according to my eager expectation, the Greek word there for, eager ex, uh, for, for eager, earnest expectation is a very, very powerful Greek word. What it means is it truly means an intense anticipation. In other words, he eagerly desires or intensely anticipates something. He says, according to this earnest expectation or this intense anticipation or this eager desire and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed. So what is it that he's eagerly anticipating or eagerly, eagerly desiring is first of all this, that in nothing he shall be ashamed. This is very powerful. He, you must recognize again where he's at. You see, if you don't realize that he's in prison while he's writing this, you'll never understand the fullness of what he's saying. He's in prison. When you're going through hell, which some of us sometimes go through in life, you don't feel like always continuing in joy. You don't feel like continuing you to serve God. Sometimes you even feel like, God, where are you? You've abandoned me. Are you with me? Or am I the only one? He says, he says that in nothing he would be ashamed or in nothing I will be ashamed. So what he's saying here is that no matter what is thrown at me, watch this now, while I'm in the body, I don't want to be ashamed of anything. I don't want to give up. I don't want to fall apart. I don't want to miss it with God. I don't want to give up on my destiny. No matter what, I want to be able to say that I was not ashamed of anything. Are you with me? Now, here's the good news, okay? It's not necessarily how many times you fall down. The question is, are you still running the race? Have you ever watched a race when an athlete falls in the race and suddenly he gets up? Most people have written him off because he's now quite far behind. But all of a sudden that athlete gets up and he runs with, his, with everything inside of him. 
And somehow, I don't know how it happens, he couldn't have won the race perhaps in the normal way, but now he gets up and he runs with an endurance and a determination and even ends up winning sometimes. Have you guys ever seen that? If you've ever seen Chariots of Fire, you'll know what I'm talking about. Some of you are too young to have watched Chariots of Fire. But for us that are a little bit more mature, that have seen Chariots of Fire, there's that scene where he falls down. I think it was John Little, I think his name was. He falls down and he gets up and he runs and he puts his, his chest out and his head back and he's running. And, and he's not, listen, you could be ashamed and fall down and not get up, not even choose to finish the race. But not only does he get up, he begins to run with such a determination. He puts his head back, his chest out, he runs with everything inside of him and he ends up winning the race. So I'm not telling you this, that because now you've sometimes fallen short or made a mistake, the question is, what are you doing now? Are you running now? Are you going for it now? Are you, keep, are you keeping on keeping on? Are you guys with me? But it does go even deeper than just that. It does go deeper than that. Watch this. In 1 John 2.28, this is what the Bible says. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, right at the end, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. So Paul was talking about now, while he runs his race, but also about at his appearing when the Lord is, when he stands before the Lord one day. When he stands before the Lord one day, he wants to be able to say, Lord, you know, I can unashamedly say I've done everything in my power to serve you with my whole heart. Sounds like a champion to me. Amen. Sounds like a champion to me. So we can clearly see that his determination to never give up even in the midst of persecution, pain, and hurt, he wanted to, at no, no matter what, be able to say, Lord, I never gave up. I carried on. I can unashamedly say, I got up. I carried on. I ran the race, finished. That's the first part of this. The second part of this is also so powerful. He says, but with boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. This is so powerful to me because what he's saying here is this, and I love the word magnified that was used here because what he's saying is, listen, my life, whether I'm alive or whether I'm dead, I want my life not to magnify me, but I want it to bring glory to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. My life, while I'm alive, and everything I do, my purpose, my plan, the things I strive for, the things I try and achieve, everything I do, let it magnify the Lord. Listen, Paul was a lot cleverer than you think. Most athletes, when they run a race, they run to win for themselves. But every now and then, you get someone that is given the platform. Like that young man from the Gators right now. No, not that one, the other one. He's a young man. I don't know what his name is, but I saw him the other day. I think he's the quarterback right now. Please forgive me. I'm not a football guy. I'm a hockey guy, okay? So if I'm missing it here, but I saw this, I was amazed. They went to him to congratulate him for winning the game. It was a big deal. And she was asking him about this and about that. And all that could come out of his mouth was, I give all the glory to the Lord Jesus Christ, my personal Lord and Savior. What's he doing? He's magnifying God for his victory. He's magnifying God for his breakthrough. He's magnifying God for when the greatness is put on him, he says, listen, he says, I'm just a man. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He gives me the abilities. He gives me the, 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 the breakthrough. He gives me the favor. Listen to me, guys. You don't have to be a preacher to magnify God. You can magnify Him in your workplace. You can magnify Him on the football field. You can magnify Him in your family. 
He says, I want to magnify God whether I'm alive or whether I'm dead. I want to magnify Him. No matter what, I want to magnify Him. Sounds like a champion to me. It's interesting because there's a character in Scripture that kind of understands this. I think sometimes God uses us in a way that we don't even know what He's busy doing fully. So John the Baptist sees Jesus coming. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Just a little later in John 3 verse 30, he says this, He must increase, but I must decrease. He's saying, listen, I want the magnifying glass that's on me to be placed on him. This is what he says. It's not too long after that that John the Baptist ends up in prison. And while he's in prison, things are difficult. So this is what he does. He sends a message to, to, to Jesus with his disciples. Matthew 11, verse number two says, and when John, when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, are you the coming one or do we look for another? Guys, he's the guy that said, behold the Lamb of God. He's the guy that said, he must increase, I must decrease. This is the same guy that's now saying when he's, when he's suffering persecution, he's saying, are you the one or should we look for another? He's the one that says more, Lord, I must, I must decrease, you must increase. Now watch Jesus' response. This is so powerful. Are you all ready? <laughs> Jesus answered and said to them, go and tell John the things which you hear and see the blind see the lame walk the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them what is Jesus saying the magnifying glass is no longer on you that that you said was about to happen is busy taking place the blind see the dead are raised the deaf hear exactly what was said was busy happening we don't know exactly what John felt after this but I can tell you one thing Exactly what he desired was busy happening. This is good news for you. You too are not perfect, even though your desire is to see him increase more and less of you and more of him. Unfortunately, our human nature always thinks things will work out in a different way. That's why the Bible says that his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. It's not the same. Amen. Magnify. Paul says, listen, I want to magnify him whether I'm alive, whether I'm dead. And then he goes on. Watch this now. This is so powerful. Verse 21. He says, for to me. Guys, you need to not miss this. He makes a point here to me. I'm the guy that said you must run your race. I'm the guy that, that has told you to finish strong. I want you to understand something here. He says to me, this is how it works, guys. To live is Christ and to die is gain. Wow, what a statement. Here comes point number two this morning. The first one is to magnify God in everything in your life. Point number two is this. There are two things in point number two. Know your true purpose and what you hope for. Know your true purpose and what you hope for. And we see that in just this statement where he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Watch this now. The first thing is purpose. What is our purpose? How many of you here want to know why you were created? I'm so glad half of you want to know how you, why you were created. I want to tell you what your purpose is. It's not what you do, it's how you do it. You see, the purpose, our purpose in life is to live for Christ. He is saying, listen, I want to live for Him. In other words, everything I do, 
the way that I live, my motivation is to live for the Lord. That's why I desire to keep on living. Understand, we're talking about a guy in prison now, thinking about what would happen if he continued living. The only reason why he wants to continue living is because he believes that he has purpose in Christ. You want a reason to live? God created you. He made you beautiful. He made you wonderful. He made you special just the way you are. There is purpose to your life. You are here for a reason. But what are you living for? Most of us live for ourselves. Most of us live to make money. Nothing wrong with making money. But is that the main reason why you live? Most of us live because of possessions from one day to another. Let's be honest. Maybe I can get a bigger house. Maybe I should drive a nicer car. Nothing wrong with your nice car. Get it. But is that the reason why you live? Here comes the tough one. Some of us live only for our family, for our loved ones. They're the only reason why I live. When the truth is we should be living for Him. I'm going to teach you as we go on this morning that if you really love your family, you'll live for Him even more. Oh, we're going, to get to, we're going to shout when we get to that point. Amen. If you don't shout, I'll shout by myself. Okay? Yes, we shout here at Oceans every now and then. Okay? So we understand that our purpose is to live for Jesus. Be the best doctor. Be the best father. Be the best husband. Be the best wife. To live for Christ so that my child can, can learn about Jesus, can see Jesus. I said this in the first service. You know, many of us have a desire that our children should be well-educated. And they should be. Many of us have a desire that our children should be the top sportsmen. And they should be. But have you made it your priority to make sure that your children love the Lord with all their heart? Have you made it a priority? The only eternal thing that there is, have you made that your priority? Purpose, why are you here? That's what Paul is trying to say to us. The second part is hope. Hope. So to live is Christ. I live for Him. That's my purpose. But I also have a hope because if I die tomorrow, if something happens, what does that mean? Look at what he says. But to die is gain. Are you, Paul, what are you talking about? To die is gain. Watch this now. 2 Timothy 1 verse number 10 says this. And now he has made all of this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life, watch this, and immortality. Did you know that you're immortal? You are going to live forever. You are immortal. You're worried about all the stuff that gets left behind and burns in the fire. The truth is, is that to live is Christ, but to die is gain because then the pain goes away, the hurt goes away, the suffering goes away, and I'm gonna be with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords the way He created me right in the beginning when He said that God made man in His image and likeness. He made us to, 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 to take dominion. God has a plan for your life. Paul's saying, listen, there's a race, guys. There's a race that you've got to run, but you've got to run it like you're going to win it. You've got to run it with all of your heart. What are you living for? What are you living for? You see, we live for Christ, but as soon as it goes wrong, then we throw in the towel. What he's saying, listen, when you die, brother, I want you to know that now you've gained it all. If you've lived for Christ. If you haven't, that's a different story. We'll have another sermon on that another day. I want to be nice today. Amen. You will put on immortality when you live for Jesus. We live our lives like we're going to be here forever. I got news for you. 100% out of 100% of people will pass from this life to the next. 
if you are saved, you are guaranteed salvation. But the way you live that salvation is determined by how you live your life while you're on this earth. Live it to win it. Paul's giving us the roadmap here of what it means to be a champion, to be able to stand at the end of our lives and say, I finished the race. I have finished strong. Are you with me? Let's go on. It it gets even better. Let's go back to Philippians 1, verse number 2. Now he's going to really get into this. Watch this now. I'm almost done. Are you guys okay? All right. I'm not really almost done, but okay. (laughs) Philippians 1, 22. Now watch. But if I live on in the flesh, this means fruit from my labor. Now he's talking about himself here. He says, if I continue to stay alive, there's going to be fruit from my labor. In other words, fruit, there's going to be more benefit. But it's, he's talking about his own benefits here, fruit for my labor, more crowns. More, uh, the more I stay alive and the more I do for the Lord, the more he will reward me. But watch this. This is so good. And I really like this guy. Watch what he says. Yet what shall I choose? I cannot tell. This is so powerful because he really understands that when he dies, he's going to live forever with the Lord, who he loves so dearly. So his fruit and rewards at this point don't matter that much to him anymore because he understands that there's actually something better waiting for him. Now watch what he says. For I'm hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. He gets it. Most of us are like, oh, I just want another 10 years. I get it. I'm I'm the same. Terrible. But Paul wasn't like that. Why? Because he really believed. He really had faith. He really knew the Lord. He knew what it was like to hear his voice. He knew what it was like to walk with him. He knew what it was like to to be willing to die for him. And he was ready at any moment to say, Lord, I'm ready to be caught up. It's far better for me than even the fruit and the rewards and all of that stuff. But he doesn't stop there. This is so powerful. I'm liking my sermon this morning. Amen. He says in verse 23, for I'm hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. Let's stop there. Everybody look at me. This is so incredible. Because what's happened at this moment is it's no longer about him. He now moves on to point number three. which is you must also live for your fellow man, for your neighbor. Live for others. Paul was talking about his reward and his desire to bear more fruit. He knows where it's better. Listen to me, church. If you're sitting here this morning and you think it'll be better for you to just die and end your life, even though you love the Lord, I want to tell you, you're missing the point of why you are here. You are still a grandmother, still a mother, still a father, still a brother, still a sister, still a friend to someone that needs to see Jesus, to someone that needs to see what it means to be in the fire, with someone that needs to see that you you didn't give up when things got really bad, that their salvation means more to you than your own life. Oh, somebody give the Lord a shout in this place. says, nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. He goes on and he says, and being confident in this, I know that I shall remain. He's saying, he says, listen, I know tomorrow I could be facing death. 
But at this point, I know, Lord, that there are still letters you want me to write, people you want me to encourage, people's lives that need to be touched. I'm not done yet. My, my, my race isn't over yet. So he says, listen, he says, I know that I shall remain and continue with you for your progress and joy of faith. I'm here to tell you this morning. I'm here to tell you this morning in this sanctuary and watching online that you think it's time to end it all. I'm here to tell you this morning that your race is not over. It's time to run like you've never run before. It's time to fight like you've never fought before. Listen, you will be a champion for Jesus. Just keep on running, keep on fighting, keep on doing it. You can make it to the end and you'll be able to stand in that day and the heaven, all of heaven's angels will, will celebrate as they see you coming. Oh yes! Lord oh yes Lord hallelujah living for others is the third point to being a true champion for Jesus when they ask Jesus about what's the most important commandment take a look at what he says Matthew 22 verse 36 Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. It's interesting because from this point, I've heard it misquoted so many times, almost as like the second most important, but watch what he says. He says, this is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. How much more important is the first and the second? It's equally important. Wow. Man, I feel the presence of God. It is equally important. Think about that the next time you say something evil about somebody. Think about that the next time you go purposefully out to harm somebody. Think about the next time. Think about that the next time. Are you willing to lay your life down? Listen to what Jesus says. The second, this is the first and greatest command. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you can get this right, guys, the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Don't tell me Paul didn't understand what he meant when he tried to explain to us what the true Christian life is supposed to look like. Well, I'm not willing to serve the Lord. Oh, you know, I need more grace and I can sin and I can... What are you talking about? What are you talking about? What, am, what, am, what are we talking about? The Bible says this, in John 15, 13, that there is no greater love than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friend. There is no greater love than to lay down your life for your friend. I want to tell you something. Most of the time when we read that scripture, we think that that means that we should die for someone. There's no greater love than to die for someone. And yes, it means that. But when we look at the life of Jesus, Jesus not only died for us, he lived for us. He lay his life down. He lived for us. He was the king of kings and gave it all. Why? So that you could become a king. That's called laying your life down for your friend. Man, this just keeps coming to me. So whatever you do, don't think, yes, it'll be better for you to be with the Lord. I get it. But you have to still lay your life down for that child, for that person in your life that needs, needs you to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Because in your suffering, they will learn what it means to stay with God no matter what. You can do it. You can do it. Amen. What's really interesting about this is that Paul gets out of prison at this point after he writes this. And he goes to the church in Philippi. 
Years later, he's arrested again, goes to Rome, and is executed. So the very words that he spoke, which were inspired by the Holy Spirit, were fulfilled as he went out, continued to preach the gospel, lay his life down for those around him. He was a champion for Jesus. Listen, guys, we all fall short. We've all made mistakes. But there's nothing you can do about yesterday. But you have a choice right now on how you will live the rest of your life. Listen, when I talk about laying my life down for my neighbor, for my friend, I'm talking about my wife, my children, my staff, the church, you people, you wonderful people. <laughs> That's what it means. Sometimes even those people that you don't like, show them Jesus in how you react, in how you respond. It's not always easy. I tell you, it's so funny. Sometimes I, I, get, I catch myself. I was at the grocery store two days ago and the service was so bad. I mean, and I'm like the blood's just, my, I'm about to burst, I'm so angry. And I'm looking at this lady with her bad attitude. And I'm thinking, yo, somebody just needs to give you a good hiding man. And then you'll become right. Don't get angry. That's how we talk where I come from. Relax. Okay? I wouldn't really want to give her a hiding. But I'm just really upset. I'm thinking, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to tune you now. I'm going to tell you, listen, you need to get your act together. You can't treat people like this. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, you're a pastor, man. You know, you're a, you know everybody's watching you. And I'm thinking, I just want to kill her. You know, don't you understand that you represent the company and blah, blah, blah. And, 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 and I thought to myself, you know what? If I get upset now, my testimony is useless. So I smiled at her and I said to her, yes, I would just like a little bit of that and a little bit of this. And towards the end, she began to soften more and more and more. And at the end, when she finally gave me the stuff, which took like half an hour, it should have been five minutes, when she finally gave it to me, she was totally open to me. And now next time I see her, it'll be different. Because I'm not going to be like you when you get in front of her. Amen? The true test of a Christian doesn't come when things are easy or go your way. It's when we're in the fiery furnace that we get to see what's really inside of us. The good news is that the Father is always waiting for you to return if you've lost your way. If it weren't so, you wouldn't be here this morning. You wouldn't be here right now with an opportunity to fulfill the race and purpose that you have. If you're gonna be a doctor, be a doctor that serves him with your whole heart. If you're gonna be a teacher, love those kids and demonstrate Jesus to them, even when you want to wring their necks. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to be a teacher in this preschool. God alone knows the grace that he's given to Jenny and the team. It's a miracle, okay? No matter what it is, be a champion for Jesus. Let's bow our heads. Father, this morning, I know that some of us in this room have been just like John the Baptist, that fully recognizes who Jesus is. That we could say, there he is. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of this world. And we too have been in a place where we say, Lord, less of me, more of him. I must decrease, but he must increase. And when things went wrong or things got hard, we began to question. But I thank you, God, that you know us. You know us so well. And this morning in this place, You've created an opportunity for us to say once again, Lord, here I am, 
send me. Send me again, Lord. Pick me again, God. Let me run this race. I'm going to be like that athlete, God, that maybe fell, but I'm going to get up and I'm going to run with all of my heart to the end this time. And if I fall again, I'm going to get up and run again. And if I fall again, I'm going to get up and run again. But I desire to live for Christ. And when I do die, it may be gain, but I want to stand in front of you unashamedly. Unashamedly. I know I've made mistakes. I know the blood of Jesus is there to, to, to cleanse me and to wash me. But until the very end, I will serve you with my whole heart. Father, we love you. And we are so grateful for your grace and your love and your mercy. I pray that not one person in this place this morning will not be drawn towards you, Father, but Holy Spirit, that you would draw each and every one closer to you. In the mighty name of Jesus, this is my prayer. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you've come here this morning and you say, Pastor Alex, I need to give my life to Jesus. I don't know him. I don't serve him. But this morning, I can feel my heart is being drawn to him. I want to give my life to him. If that's you, I want to pray for you this morning. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. All, that, all you have to do is just raise your hand so I can see where you are so I can pray for you. If that's you and you've come and you say, I want to give my life to Jesus this morning, do it now. Raise your hand and I'll pray for you. Don't be afraid. Amen. There's a hand over there. God bless you. Thank you so much, sir. There's a hand in the back over there. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, sir. Thank you, guys, so much. Anybody else say, Pastor, that's me. Today, I want to give my heart to Jesus. Last call for this. If that's you, raise your hand. I'll include you. Don't be afraid. This is the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. If you've come here this morning... And maybe you did serve God, but you are maybe one of those that, like in that race, fell down, but you haven't fully gotten up yet. And you say, Pastor Alex, that's me this morning. I want to get up again and run my race, but this time I want to run and I want to finish strong. I want to rededicate my life to Jesus. If that's you, raise your hand. I'll include you in this prayer. Don't be afraid. God bless you in the back. God bless you over there. Thank you. God bless you. I see that hand. Any, anybody else, last call. God bless you, young lady. Thank you so much. God bless you. The Lord is busy working in your heart, young lady. The Lord is busy working in your heart. Last call. Thank you so much. God bless you. If you want to be included, God bless you. Now, if you raised your hand, quickly stand for me. Thank you, ma'am. I see your hand. Stand for me. Don't be afraid. Quickly stand. There's many of you. Stand. God bless you. Stand up. Thank you so much. God bless you. Stand, stand, stay standing. Don't sit down. Stay standing. Stay standing. Stand up, sir. Please stand up. Stand up. Those of you that raised your hand, stand for me. Stand for me. That's it. That's it. Come on. Come on, church. Let's give them a big hand of applause. If you stood up and you're standing, come quickly to the front. I want to pray for you. This is the most important decision you'll ever make. Come quickly. Come. Come. Don't be afraid. Come, man. Come. Don't be afraid. Come quickly. Come, sir. Thank you so much. God bless you. Come, young lady. Come quickly. Come. There we go. There we go. Come on, church. Let's encourage them. Amen. Come and stand here. God bless you, man. Yeah, stand facing me. God bless you. God bless you. Come and stand here, young lady. Come and stand here, young man. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Come and stand here, young lady. Thank you so much. Thank you for having the courage to come forward. Amen. The most important decision you'll ever make. Amen. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you, are you ready, young man? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Young lady? Amen. Things are about to change for you, young man. Things are about to change for you. So much is about to change for you. I am so excited for you this morning. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, ma'am. Thank you for having the courage to come forward. Amen. Church, can we all pray with him? We're going to pray a prayer this morning. What's important about this prayer is it's not just repeating words. It's praying them from your heart this morning. A decision is not something that we just say with our mouths. A decision is something that we truly believe in our hearts. And so when you pray this this morning, guys, allow God to really touch your heart. Let it be a new beginning and a new life for you. And never turn back. Run this time like never before. 
So let's all pray with him. Let's say, Father, I come to you this morning. I believe Jesus died and rose again. He's the Son of God. Forgive me for my sins. Wash me in your blood. Write my name in your book of life. Today, I give my heart to you. I surrender to you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Father, just fill them with your love. Just fill her with your love, God. Just fill her with your love. Fill him, God. Let him serve you all the days of his life. Lord, let this one be a testimony to many that many will not reach, but he will reach them. In the mighty name of Jesus, this young lady, in Jesus' name, this precious man, Father, who loves you, Lord, that has decided today that he will run like never before. In Jesus' name, in this precious lady, we give you thanks for this decision this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. If you have a look, there's somebody behind you that wants to pray with you. If you look to, to, to your left over there, there's that lovely pastor over there with a the jacket and glasses. Just follow him. God bless you. Thank you guys so much. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Amen. Now you know what it takes to be a champion for Jesus. Don't worry about the times you come short. What's important is that you always keep running and keep your eyes on him. It's worth it, guys. It's so worth it. Let me bless you. Father, we love you. We honor you and we are so grateful for your word that always gives us life. I pray this morning, Father, for everyone in this place and even those watching online, that you would strengthen them, that you would bless them, that you would encourage them this morning, Father, and more than anything, that you would draw them to yourself. We love you, we honor you and worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week and we'll see you next week.